All right, welcome back to the Trial of Fantasy Age. This is our recap show where we've brought all the players back together, and we're going to talk about our experiences, what we liked, maybe what we didn't, uh, you know, what we thought about the system. We try as best we can on these recap shows to sort of separate the game from the system because we're probably having fun, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that the system was the reason. It could just be a great group, could be a great GM. Uh, and I would say in this case, both of those things were true. Before we get too started, we'll remind everyone who was there and who we were playing. So again, I am Michael, and I was playing Ty, who was the human mage. And then Eric, introduce yourself and your player. Uh, I'm Eric, and I was playing uh, Colonel Oscar Rockford, <laughs> the dwarven warrior. <laughs> I say, I say, I say. <laughs> All right, and then with us, we also had Kenna and Rich from the Going Last podcast. Kenna, who are you playing? I was playing Rochelle Montague, a human thief for sure, but also a rogue. (laughs) Awesome, and Rich. I was playing Pascal DiCardano, uh, who is the character who says his name a whole lot, so I'm sure you'll pick up on that one. (laughs) Yeah, we all said your name a lot. It's true, it's true. (laughs) All right. Now, so for myself, this was my actual first and only experience with uh, Fantasy Age. Um, I was telling Chris during the game, I, I watched the episode of uh, Tabletop he did with Will Wheaton, uh, and that was the only time I'd ever experienced it at all. Now, Eric, you said you have ran and played the Age system before, correct? That's correct. I I actually did a home game of Fantasy Age for hmm, probably about four months, and I ran uh, Titan's Grave Adventure twice at Gen Con last year. Okay, very cool. And then Kenna, Rich, um, have either of you played some age before? Indeed, I ran a one-shot, or no, actually, I guess it maybe was a three-shot of a Dragon Age module that came in the book. Um, so that was in that world, in that setting, but with very similar, not exactly the same rules. And that was the origin of Pascal. Oh, uh, okay. Because I remembered the the character from the episode you talked about playing him. I can't stop. It's just it's too ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, so again, normally on these we we start with some sort of broad strokes first. You know, some positive things. Any then we go to any criticisms. Then we kind of narrow down on specific instances. So for me, I really liked the system. It's it's D and D enough for someone who loves D&D, that I kind of understood how it worked. You know, we have attributes, we have sub-skills beyond that. We cast magic with mana points, which I'm a fan of. As much as I love D&D, I do think rolling a D20 is terrible. I mean, I'm not a mathematics person, but it's just, it's such a linear, random drop in the bucket. So I think 3D6 is a is a fun mechanic. Even though I don't like D6s, I would prefer D12s. <laughs> make, make the math too hard. Uh, and I like the stunt system. The stunt system to me felt like kind of like what Edge of Empire does, but toned down just a little bit. Because while I like that, sometimes when I'm playing that game or listening, it's not always easy to figure out, okay, I got three advantages and this, like, you know, it's awesome, but sometimes it's also like, uh, how do we deal with all this? So I feel like that would be an easier way because you don't have to do that. Though I would have liked for there to have been some sort of negative. Like, I think that would have been a fun addition is if you roll certain things, then you have to take, like, detriment. So I'll go to you next, Eric. What are some of your broad thoughts, not necessarily with this game, I guess, because you've done it before, but sure. what do you like about Fantasy Age or Dragon Age? Um, what I like the most about the Age system is how fast and clean it is. Um, it doesn't take very long to get into, and that's what I'd always heard about the uh, Dragon Age, was that if you ever have 
um, new players, Dragon Age is probably one of the best games to get them involved into role-playing games because it's relatively low barrier to entry, right? Um, you don't have to teach dice. You don't have to, you know, do a whole lot of, of you know, before game prep. Um, you know, the the combat system, the skill system is is very easy to pick up. As a game master, it's a lot of fun because you can... Uh, one of my pet peeves is uh, is opposed roles because I think opposed roles completely grind a game to a halt and setting thresholds for for dice. I mean that as a game master, bang, 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 you're resolving all of these all of these tasks without really having to uh, slow the game down. And I think that's 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 the strength of the system to me. All right, I'll go to you next, Kenna. Uh, what are your positive? Like, what do you like about the age system or fantasy age specifically? Well, I agree with the 3D6. Um, I will leave that because I want Rich to have his rant against the D20. <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave that alone for him. That being said, I really like the stunt system. I do think it helps with that adding extra flair to combat, which can often be some of the most monotonous parts of RPGs. And especially when you get into the social skills, it helps people who might not be as uh, avid role players in RPGs get into that. So I feel like those aids both are simple and easy to access, but also are really good helping hands in keeping the game moving and interesting. Um, You were mentioning... Age of the Empire, and I find that system very difficult because in that it just is like, you succeeded, but there is a threat, or you failed, but you have some sort of achievement, and coming up with those every round can get really, really challenging. So having this be a guide that you can even give it your own flavor once you do it, but that it's it's a nice, nice thing to keep things moving, like Eric was saying, rather than kind of throwing breaks on it in a different way. Um, And from what I've seen people play, they don't have a lot of analysis paralysis about which ones to choose. So that means they're well-written. And so I really like that as well. Yeah, that's the end. I think you said it better than I did, but that's the thing. I I like Edge of Empire when it works and when it's easy, it makes sense. But sometimes it it doesn't, you know, and it's just like we have to find some way to make it work. And that's, that's when I think it kind of goes to the other way when you're in your third round of combat where you succeeded but there's a threat it's like what is it this time i don't know this time there's the porcupine that came out that's now (laughs) harassing me like i don't know the first couple times it's cool but yeah i can see if it goes a long time it starts to get like repetitive or annoying just like okay give me the blue die okay i get a blue die this time that type of a thing um and also i could see myself for sure if, if i started playing this regularly we would make up our own stunts you know, sure. something would happen in the game, like Chris was telling the story, and we would just add it. Like, we wouldn't necessarily replace all of them, but we might add in another one, or we might do something. Again, if you get all 18s, then there's like a super bonus one type of thing. And I think that would be a lot of fun and to add to the game and make it your own over time. I think there's also an additional roleplay element that if your character starts theming towards certain stunts, that whenever you stunt, you tend to do this thing. You tend to you know, seize the initiative. You tend to do a lethal blow. Um, that that becomes almost a feat that your you know, character can have in a way that if anytime I stunt, I'm probably going to do this. Um, and much like you know, if you crit, something happens or this or that, that. I think there can be an RP element to it as well, even for the combat stunts. Very cool. All right. So Rich, I'm sorry, we kind of 
got conversating there, it's but uh, what are your what are your broad strokes thought about Fantasy Age? Um, well, I will certainly say that I love rolling 3D6, and that's what I thought about every single time, is like, 3D6 is how I started role-playing, right? You can't play the game until you've made a D&D character and had to roll 3D6 a couple times. So, you know, that just, that has a good nostalgia for me. I cannot stand D20s. <laughs> so they drive me crazy. And I know you were on the the short <laughs> side of the uh, the probability train in that last adventure, but um, the way it's set up, you know, we're going to roll average more often. So we're going to, the game feels more successful in general than just a D20 system does. And for me, that that's good. We also, you know, we had, I think, two 17s in that game. I rolled one. Eric rolled another one. That's great. That's awesome. Um, and it's rare. And so it, it just, it felt good for me in that way. It felt like uh, how it was supposed to, we were as successful, you know, on an average level as we were supposed to be. And that's good. And we had some good, good shining moments and we had some, some bad ones, but they are more rare than just, you know, I rolled six threes in a row on a D20 and, you know, just twiddled my thumbs all day. <laughs> Right. So I, I am sorry you were in that position in that last fight. I mean, that's harsh. But. I mean, it's going to work. It's going to happen that way. Yeah. You know, next time I play, I may destroy. Because I was rowing really good up until that point. Yeah. Like, I was rowing really, really well most of the time <laughs> until the final battle. Right. Uh, so it happens. Uh, so I'll... Oh, go ahead. No, I just... I, I love the system. I think it's good. You've talked a whole bunch about stunts, but I, I think they're so such a good streamlined way to make you feel a little bit more like a superhero in combat than just roll a die, <laughs> swing a sword. Like now I've got options about how I do that. And it just, I think it feels so good. Right. So I, when I, when I watched that episode of tabletop, I, I don't know if I was confused by the stunts, but I wasn't like, I, I didn't really buy in, I guess I just thought, I don't know. They just didn't sit right with me, but having played it, I feel very differently about them. I mean, maybe it's just the tactile sense of having them and being able to read them and apply them in some way. Uh, but yeah, I, I really like them now. When when I first heard about them, I kind of thought they were kind of a silly sort of thing. Definitely playing changed my mind. Yeah, on that. yeah. So I'll go a little bit out of order. I'll jump to Kenna first. Do you have any negatives, any criticisms, or any like I wish this instead of that for the system? I think my only criticism is might be uh, ignorance. So I say this with trepidation that starting with only the three classes can mean in lower levels, there's a lot more crossover. That being said, you know, we had two rogues, we that went fine, even though Rich was stealing my moves occasionally. Uh, <laughs> he was stealing them before you. That's right. That's right. Gotta be quick. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I, using that, I'm really reaching, I'm reaching to find something that I'm unhappy with it. Um, I think what's really nice about having played fantasy age now is playing dragon age. I struggled with how to play mages in that system because mages are so persecuted in that world that how do you just have a mage walking around? Right. The other thing about the modules in Dragon Age is they are extremely successful in the gray areas. And so to play kind of a more traditional, obvious, here's what you're going to go do game in this system was a lot of fun to experience. Um, so honestly, I don't really have a lot negative to say here. Okay. And that's totally fair. Uh, so what about <laughs> you, Rich? Do you have any critiques or criticisms of the system? Wow. Um, it is a game, I think, that the your options will increase as you level up. And so at the start, we are all fairly limited. And I think I, I loved starting at third level because our first level characters, our rogues would have been very, very similar. And so, I mean, you can branch out, but the number of choices at low levels is 
is smaller, I think. And as you increase in levels, you get so many more. And and that's interesting because I play, you know, Pathfinder or something like that, where you have a million options right at the start. So I don't know that that's a total negative because it also helps bring me into the game. But I can see like making my second character, I would be like, how am I going to make this different than the first one at first right. level? And I think that's that's a little tougher. I'm also curious how it scales up because since everything's based on a D6, you know, you'll get additions to your abilities and maybe a, a one per level or two per level. Um, but depending on how fast it scales, this is going to be a much flatter curve in ability than other games where... You know, I can wield a dagger versus a halberd and I'm, you know, a D4 versus a D10. So I, I'm curious to see how that gets in later levels, like eight, if you're st- if you're feeling much more powerful than you were. Yeah, right. Right. I don't think I don't think def- defense goes up. It doesn't scale up like other games do, especially like Pathfinder, things like that, sure. um, where you're, you know, so, you know, it's I could see you being very, very deadly at a higher level because you're you're going to be hitting much much more and i mean for just this game that we played my i'm a i'm a fighter you know a warrior and my defense was 11 i'm i'm going to get hit a lot and you know and i did and and you know so armor being damage reduction i think i've always liked that rule anyway because it makes more sense to me that a, a lumbering fighter was is going to get hit more um and that the the, the damage should be taken off of uh, by the armor rather than just being harder to hit. So, um, I mean, um, but going towards something that, that I think is a little bit limited, I think sometimes much like you were talking about with uh, edge of the empire, the exploration and role-playing stunts sometimes feel a little disjointed to me. Sometimes it's like, you're, that's where you're really struggling to find something that fits because, you know, combat's combat and, and, you know, essentially it's, it's going to be kind of down the same path. Whereas role-play and exploration is so broad that to have just like seven or eight things sometimes feels a little limiting. Um, so I, I was really happy to hear Chris say that they're doing a companion, that they that you know so they can add more things to to these lists because I think that's the strength the, the stunts are the strength of this game. Yeah, yeah, I can see that, and that even happened a little bit in this game where, like the way you role played the scenario before you rolled the die, didn't really fit what you then chose for the stunt. So it's like, you know, you're going down a path, but because of the stunt, you went another way, which it worked out fine. But I could see like almost like you could choose ahead of time in like some sort of weird way. Uh, But I'm sure there's always like the option of just saying you just get a bonus. Like you could just, you know, you could kind of cut away from the flavor if it just doesn't fit. But you get a bonus to this role or you get a bonus to the next role as like a compensation. Yeah. And I also think that uh, the size of the group that we had was a strength also. I've got experience playing with, you know six seven eight players and uh why do you do that to yourself (laughs) yeah i'm a masochist um but uh yeah and it it i mean the quickness of the rounds and and the way initiative works it's very conducive to a big group but when you've got people you know having to go through the role-playing stunts and everybody else is sitting around just just pick one man just do something yeah right so which I don't care what game you're playing. I like three, four players is like my favorite. I just I always want to have groups that size. So for me, probably the the criticism and a lot of this is I don't know. I've never read any of the rules other than the, the cheat sheets that we got for the game. So there may be things I just don't understand. 
but I would have liked for there to have been a way to manipulate the numbers sort of a la inspiration uh, because I did have those crappy roles in what were kind of like big moments. I would have liked for there to have been a way, you know, maybe once per game or again, if I earned inspiration to change that. And then what I would like for that to do is to let me change a die and like, you know, I could make it go up one or down one because then I could potentially succeed and or stunt. Like I have this resource that says, okay, you can change one die, one number. Well, I'll actually go from a 15 to a 14 because I'm pretty sure that'll hit and that will let me stunt. I think that would be a fun mechanics to, to add, but I don't know how unbalancing that would be having only played at one time. Would that make it too easy to succeed on a system where you're always rolling more towards average anyway? Probably. I mean, it would probably, it would certainly change the, you know, the probability of it, but I, you know, I mean... This game, you will stunt a lot. Uh, I mean, it just happens a lot. And, it's, and we were kind of a, 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 on the f- low end of that for our game. But um, I've seen games, it's like every roll is a stunt. And, you know, then it's like, oh, what do I do now? You know, and, right. and you, you, ne- you never see that with players, hardly ever, I should say, uh, where they're like, oh, I got to choose more cool stuff again. You know, <laughs> so, but... Uh, in this game, it happens. I mean, it becomes one of those things. And like you said, um, can it, you know, you start to lean towards certain things that really work well. And I mean, I, it never even clicked to me until it, I did it in the, in this game, where if you have a journeyman, uh, uh, two hander style and you roll, you get a six stunt point, then you're doing lethal blow and mighty blow because it's two different stunts. And that's crazy because that's a lot of damage. It's like a huge critical. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, that would probably, I mean, it really isn't, a, I guess, a criticism against the system. It's just like like a house rule or something I would use. Or even you could just roll 4d6 on that roll and to pick the three you want, and then you could still have the opportunity of picking the one that gives you a stunt or the, or the best result, that kind of thing. So anything, I guess, specific, this can be this can be positive or negative, but like a specific rule or a specific thing that happened in our game that you want to talk a little bit about to kind of expound on? I'll actually start with uh, Eric this time. Well, on a personal note, I, I one of the reasons why I chose the, to play the character that I played uh, was because I'm like I was looking at it and I was like a dwarven warrior. I mean, you can you can't get much more fantasy trope than that. You know, he's got a two handed axe. And I was like, eh, okay. But as I'm looking at this character, I'm like, and and knowing how uh, character generation works and and things like that, I was very intrigued by the choices that Chris made when he pre-gen this character because. This character has an intelligence of zero. So that means I add nothing to anything that I do intelligence-wise. But intelligence is the single stat that he has that has the most stuff to it. He's got evaluation, writing, historical lore, and military lore. I was like, why would he do this? And I thought, this isn't an OP character when it comes to combat, although he is. He's a very viable combat character. But... This character actually had a, a wrinkle to him that drew me to the character because I was like, "This is a this is an intelligent, educated character. Don't play him like the usual meathead dwarf or you know, oh my clan, my axe, you know that kind of thing." So that's what drew me to to this particular character was was the fact that he stacked up all this stuff in intelligence with a zero bonus. All right. So what about you, Rich? Was there any in, in particular moment in our game or just a specific rule? or something about the the setting you want to expound on. Gosh. I really enjoy that a lot of the the skills have so many focuses. I mean it it is kind of 
you know, there, there's something to say for having that intelligence of two that would have taken the place of all those focuses. But I also like the focuses because then it's it's I've taken this effort to do this one thing. And I, it's like I can still do it even though I'm not good at this. So I know I have perception seeing, which helped out quite a few times when we were looking for things. But I have a perception of zero. <laughs> um, so it was just kind of I think those things add this flavor and allow you to be good at like shore up a weakness i guess like you can you can viably have a weakness and then still kind of be good at that which can be difficult in a lot of systems where the skill is i mean i don't know i just i enjoyed that a lot i enjoyed how differentiated they were like in communications i have three different focuses and i was always like if he picks one is it going to be the one i want or you know what exactly can i frame this as etiquette or is this really (laughs) You know, is it a seduction task? I, I don't have any seduction bonuses. I just have persuasion. And that's, you know, mildly different. So I like how much <laughs> flavor there is in there and how many ways there are to to switch that up. And I just I, I just I really like how customizable everything ends up being. You know, it's almost like I said earlier, it's kind of a thing that builds up over time. So, you know, you gain a focus every single level and on odd levels. Let me make sure I get this. On odd levels, you get one of your primary focuses, so like the stats that matter to you. And at even levels, you get ones on your off focus, your you know your off ability. So you have to pick something that you're bad at. And I think that's really fun as you build up. So I those things have a lot of you know resonance with me. So one of the things I was looking at early on, I didn't quite get uh, where the numbers were coming from and skills that they seemed kind of low to me, mm-hmm. like. You know, like you said, the difference between rolling a straight intelligence versus an intelligence with a focus is one point in in some cases. But I guess with the flatter, like 3D6 curve, one point means more in that system. It could, you know, it, it's a bigger bonus. So it, it makes sense that you could have, you know, a zero and a stat, but have a focus because that still is a significant difference yeah. versus like in D&D where you, if you don't have like a 17 and a stat, you're kind of not getting any use out of right (laughs) yeah there's it gives you a lot more sway on those things that you decide to care about and i think it adds flavor later on like when i was i was building this character up and the last focus i took was courage and willpower just in case you know (laughs) this character learned something about themselves and uh so i was just excited for that to come up and it does kind of give that situation where like you could play you know like a half orc wizard or in in eric's case your dwarf, like when you role play them, they're not a smart dwarf, but they've studied really hard. (laughs) You know, like they wanted to know about history, so they made themselves. And that tells me something about that character that I could hook into as a role play, as the person role playing or as like the GM, you know, give you a chance to learn something new is important to you because you have a zero level intelligence, but you have four focuses in intelligence like that. I think that is a, an interesting mechanic on how you develop the character as a character, not necessarily mechanically. Okay. So Kenna, I don't think I've hit you yet. That's okay. I actually just to touch on that briefly, I wanted to give credit to the character sheet for that because unlike a D and D character sheet where it lists all the skills, you only write on your sheet, the skills you have focused in. And if you really break it down, having proficiency bonuses or selected skills that you've taken isn't that different from having it as a focus that if you don't have it as a focus you get your default ability added to it and if you have it as a focus you get a plus two so it's actually parallel but we found it so much more compelling because that's the only information that we were looking at so we really felt like we were choosing these as everyone was kind of saying features of our character rather than the more kind of min-max feeling you get when you do it 
it on a D&D character sheets because you can see all the different things. All the math is laid out for you right there of comparing your ability score bonus to this to that. So I actually give a lot of credit to the character sheet for us feeling this way about it. Anything else? Since It's kind of your turn now. Is there anything else you'd want to point out? Sure. I think I want to revisit what Eric talked about with the armor and how that works. Um, I think that lends to further empowering your character. In D&D, people interpret hitting AC differently, whether it means that you missed or you kind of glanced off their armor or you hit it, but it didn't do enough. And I think in this, it makes it a lot more clear that you hit them, but their armor was able to absorb some of it. And I think that's a fun third option for, you know, clearly saying you missed, you hit, but either all or some of it was absorbed or you did something so big that it just obliterated, you know, got right through their armor and also makes with we had the lightning attack um, that went right through the armor that was piercing damage. Another component there where, you know, armor isn't always relative and that's handled in D&D too. But I just, again, I think like a lot of things we've talked about, this made it more RP. This made it more immersive. And I liked that a lot. Yeah, I I think that uh, to to springboard off of that, um, you know, in your D and D Pathfinder, it's totally different when you're in a fight. I mean, it's it's all or none, right? You, you know, you hit, you know, you did all of your damage, unless they have some sort of a resistance or whatever. But you know, in this, it's like I was constantly trying, like I don't know what its armor is, I don't know how much it's absorb, how much is going through, and how much isn't. So I have no clue how much uh, this creature, how much longer we're going to be fighting this creature. Whereas, I mean, you play a game long enough, you know, you're going to know. Well, all right, uh, an ogre is going to have this many hit points, and we've done this many. So you know. I mean, it can be tweaked. You, all you have to do is tweak the armor rating just a little bit, and you have the players guessing the whole time. I'm one of those people that that constantly gripes on message boards and Facebook and Reddit, like saying a hit in D and D doesn't mean one thing, and a miss doesn't mean the other. And I'm like, I'm all about that. But when I'm playing the game, I usually screw it up too. I'm like, oh yeah, you shot the the goblin in the throat with an arrow and did two points of damage. Well, that's not exactly <laughs> how that's supposed to work. But you're trying to make combat interesting, you know, and that's just, that's what happens. So even though I totally believe that, I don't always put it in practice. This system does eliminate that. And I do like the added benefit of you can have attacks that bypass armor easier in this type of system because it is a damage reduction. It, it makes those particular attacks easier interesting and more of a strategic decision when you use them when you don't that kind of thing for me though i'm a big fan of i like mana systems you know again i love D. &D. no 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 bad things about dnd i love it but i like mana point systems and this is a system and I, i like that i only had a few spells i would like to have seen you know as i progress i'm sure like i think i had three different types of magic and i had two spells within each one. Uh, and interesting, there was, I think I brought it up in the game about there's no cleric, and I guess there is no cleric in the game. But as a wizard, one of my spells was kind of like bless. I mean, it was very, you know, relatable to what a bless does. Everyone gets a bonus to a thing. So it felt kind of interesting. Obviously, this isn't D&D, but like my thought wasn't a magic user would do that. You know, that going into the game, I would never would have thought that my magic user would cast bless, which it's, it, I don't know why. I just, you know, 30 years of D&D, I guess. Uh, but yeah, I like uh, I like the mana points as a system. And yeah, the armor is a defense rating. I mean, it's okay. It's not, it's not bad. It's not terrible. But uh, <laughs> I think it adds it adds something to that other games that, that don't have that don't have. I did want to say one thing about healing. And Eric, maybe you can help me be accurate about this. 
when I've played previously, it didn't come up in this game, but I really liked that healing is spread out. So it's one of the major actions that you can take, and it has a target number of, I think, 11. And if you beat that, then you get your uh, stunt die plus your intelligence bonus worth of healing. Right. And so the fact that anyone can heal anyone, I really like that, that it doesn't have to be a role. There is a school of magic for healing, but I thought it was very interesting in combat to have to make a decision who's going to take a round to heal someone and that sort of thing. And it's not just one character's responsibility. And I think it's handled well. You get a decent amount of hit points. You're not, you don't have a heal bot sort of, that's all you get to do. Right. Because D&D had to, they tried to fix that in like fourth and in fifth <sighs> where you heal at the same time you do something else. I loved it. I always play the cleric. So I loved that so much. <laughs> Which, I mean, that, but, but the thing is they had to do that to fix it because there was a problem that in other editions, if you're the heal bot, that you have to be the heal bot. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's some people who love to play the heal, you know, the healing uh, cleric or priest or whatever. And in this game, you can still do that and, and still do other things. You can have your, you know, your heal focus, but you can also you know, do other things. The trees are, are, are you know, pretty cut and dry. I mean, it, it's the, the choice. There aren't a ton of choices, which and uh, some, some people, well, I want a zillion, you know, splat books of, of choices. Well, and then that's fine. But um, sometimes having these certain limits sometimes make things so much more streamlined and easy. Uh, and if you're going to be, uh, have, take the healing arcana, you can, you could be really good at it. And, you know, so, I mean, so other people can be doing the regular heal action and you can be doing the arcane heal and you could be in a fight for a really long time. <laughs> I think it, uh, I asked Chris about this as well, that the, the most of the bad guys use the same stunt chart that, that everyone has, but that certain bad guys have their own. I really like that from a DM creative standpoint. I would want to create custom monsters with custom stunts. Again, it kind of reminds me of like fourth edition where you had certain powers that would recharge so that maybe you use it this round, maybe you can't. So you could have a monster that does a certain thing. And when that happens, it's it's a cool thing in the in that moment. So I do really like that from a design perspective. Right. Some of them, I, I can't remember which one's off the top of my head, but there's some, it's like, you know, like a dragon, let's say. Um, if you roll, if you stunt on it, then yeah, you, then you get a, an extra breath weapon attack or something like that. Or, you know, just uh, some, some little extra cool that you have to have stunt points for. So if you, if you're sucking and you're not rolling stunt points, then the, the characters are like, well, this is easy. And then you yeah. roll that one stunt point and then boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no longer so easy. Right. Um, uh, any of you who've played it before, like we were level three. Is there like a, a level cap? Does it go to 10 to 20 to 30? Uh, 10, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, the I believe the core book is a compilation of three sets that went 1 to 3, 4 to 6, and then 7 to 10, if I'm Whoa. remembering correctly. <laughs> uh, I think in Dragon Age, it might have been less, but Fantasy Age goes to 20. Oh, that's right. That's right. Great. Dragon Age at 10th level, almost everyone dies. So it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yay, we made it. <laughs> awesome. All right. So I guess at this point it's open. Is there anything else you guys would want to say, good, bad, indifferent about Fantasy Age? 
I think that this system does a great job of balancing RP and combat that I have a lot of play groups that we have one person who's like, when do we get to fight again? All I want to do is fight. And another person who's like, ah, more fighting. Let's get back to the role playing. (laughs) And I think this system does a good job of balancing those things. It keeps combat moving and also has interesting flair that can have flavor laid on top of it during combat. And then during social and RP things, you can roll dice and stunt and that makes it feel more combatty, more technical. So I think it does a nice job of, of satisfying both those types of players. It's the Reese's peanut butter of RPG. (laughs) (laughs) You got your combat in my RP. You got my, your RP in my combat. (laughs) Um, As a base system, it's really good. But then when you see it in, other things like uh, if you get the opportunity, if you like what you heard and you, you you think, well, Fantasy Age sounds like a fun game, get it because it is. Um, but if you want to see it um, in more of a, you know, to fit a specific uh, like world or whatever, get Blue Rose because Blue Rose is it uses the same system, but it adds more to it. it and if for those of you who don't know what that is, um, Blue Rose is it's uh, billed as romantic fantasy. And, you know, you're, a lot of the gamers be like, ah, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear anything else. Don't talk anymore. Uh, but if you like Mercedes Lackey, stories like that, uh, Diane Duane, I mean, you'll love this system. And I got, uh, I got all the way through it and I'm like, this is, I want to run Blue Rose more than I want to run Fantasy Age because it's so, it's got such a unique twist to it. It's got its own, uh, stunts and things like that, special stunts. Uh, depending on, you know, your relationship levels and things like that. And, and, you know, a lot of your, your newer, uh, more story based games have like the relationship mechanics and stuff like that. And Blue Rose has that in it too, using the, so it's everything I love about Fantasy Age and throwing in all this other stuff too. And I mentioned this, Chris, I love Mercedes Lackey. I read all of those books when I was like late high school, college. Does that Heralds of Valdemar series is amazing. So <laughs> I sound, sounds like I would like Blue Rose for that reason. Yeah. I just have to say that I, I love this system because it makes you look forward in the short term. Like when I play Pathfinder or d and I'm excited about, yeah, we're telling a story, but I want to level up. That's when my character changes. And this game feels like I change all the time. Like those stunts really activate, you know, my impressions of who this character is. It's not just waiting for a milestone, you know, three sessions later. Oh, now I get a feat. Like, just changing it up and just being active all the time is such such a cool thing. Like it, I, I I don't I can't think of another game that is quite as active as this one, and I just I really like it. That's a good point. Very very cool. All right, so last call. Anything else anybody wants to talk about? I think it's I think I've said everything. I I'm, I love this game. I've I've been shopping around looking for well what game system would fit the the game world I want to create, and Fantasy Age is it. I could definitely see doing like a short, not not a full campaign, but like a three, four, five session adventure, and really kind of putting it through its paces and exploring it a little bit. I, I I can see myself picking this game up pretty soon. I'll be very curious to see how Modern Age comes out because typically when systems go into Modern Age and you're trying to balance guns and cars and swords and technology and all that thing, it gets really really complicated. So if they can find a way to keep it as simple as fantasy age is in modern day, that would be astounding. So I'm really, really curious to see that. And kudos to the design theme for coming up with the age name. Cause it's just <laughs> so great to do all that. You can have all these age mm-hmm. games. So kudos to them or him. I don't, yeah, I don't know who all was involved. 
adventure gaming engine. Engine, yeah. 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 <sighs> so do you think? Because because well, real talk, they made it originally for Dragon Age. Did you think they had to make it up to make that? Like they're like, what do we call it? Something Age, <laughs> or or did Age come and it, they you know. Chicken egg situation, I guess. <laughs> I did not ask him that, um, but yeah, I wonder if it was a joke with because like Thetis is also an acronym, right, for Dragon Age. I can't remember what it stands for, uh, but it, I think it was like the name of the project as they were making Dragon Age, and it was a. Now I'm gonna have to Google it. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I can only get the lore versions. <laughs> I'll email you guys later with that fun fact, just for fun. Okay. <laughs> Cool enough. I'll get into one of my three Dragon Age huge lore books and find it. (laughs) (laughs) Or not lore books, but like game creation books. Anyway. Awesome. All right. So once again, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for giving me your extra time here after the game. Uh, Rich Kenna, truly a pleasure. I've said it before many times. I love your guys' podcast. Oh, thank That's you not so just, much. I, I listen, you, you've caused me so much money. <laughs> so much money Sorry. for all the, the Kickstarter. I don't feel like I would spend it on something else. I'd rather play it, play, spend it on games. Uh, but it's a pleasure to get to actually play games with you because I feel like I already know you because I've been, I've been listening in on your conversations for so long. And that's one of the cool things about podcasts, how that works. And uh, Eric, I'm a big fan of what you do. So thank you for joining us as well. Mm-hmm. Obviously very happy and proud to have you as part of our network. And we need to get all of you guys out to a catacon at some point in the near future. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I'd love that. (laughs) Cool. Well, for Eric, for Kenna, for Rich, this is Michael, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at The RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, The Caleb G, at The Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at The RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Yeah.